Hi, dreamers. This is Lucy, and welcome to another episode of the Self Made Expats with Lucy Jan, where I interview expats from all across the globe to share their inspiring and motivating stories. Today, I'm here with Alistair McIntyre, who is the president and the CEO of Altiplano Metals in Canada. He was born in Glasgow in Scotland, and when he was young, his family emigrated to Canada. Throughout his career, he had opportunities work in different cities in Canada and also in Sydney, Hong Kong, and New York. Um, he began his career as a geologist and also held various leadership roles focusing on leveraging risk, value creation, and deal execution. And he used to work for Scotia for 12 years. I'm super excited to have a chat with Alistair today as he lived abroad for the past 15 years and he is now back in Canada. So I'm curious to hear how his experience has been as an expat. Welcome to the show, Alistair. So happy to have you here today. Thank you, Lucy. So, uh, so, so good to be here. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. So I've got a lot of questions for you. So let's start with this. So you obviously lived in many different countries. I mean, Sydney, Hong Kong, New York, and different cities in Canada. How would you describe each country that you lived in? Obviously, Hong Kong and Sydney are very different, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that's part of the charm. I mean, I've, I've as as you've mentioned, was was born in in Scotland, and we came here to Canada, and uh, spent a lot of time, you know, growing up in in a sparsely populated part of the country, Nova Scotia. So that was, you know, a very interesting and, and great place to grow up, and you know, good family connection, and and uh, made good friends. That was a great great place to live. But you know, having opportunity to move to other parts of Canada, including you know Ottawa and Toronto. Uh, but but moving into you know some of these more far-reached places like Sydney and 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 Hong Kong was 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 pretty fantastic. But you know e each place as as you've recognized was was very different. You've got the charm of the beach in in Sydney, mm. and you've got the hustle bustle of Hong Kong. But you know there was lots of interesting things. You know from a career perspective in Sydney, there was a lot of fun stuff that we did with the with the producers that were there, the gold producers. Um, I was seconded to Commonwealth Bank of Australia, so I got opportunity to actually work inside a completely different bank on their deal team. And uh, but you know from a personal perspective, look, I I took a, a jet cat to work in the morning through Sydney Harbour. And you know, took a boat back, a slow boat uh, ferry back to uh, to Manly in in the evening, and just you know, sit back and chill and watch the waves, and you know, drink a beer in the back. Um, so it was fantastic. And of course, my kids, they loved it there. Their beach was sorry, pardon me. Their their um their school was you know, blocked from the beach. They had uh, lots of you know, cool stuff to do to 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 learn and and experience Australian life. So that was that was pretty cool. Wow. I've never lived in Sydney yet, but uh, I travel there. It's a beautiful place. I mean, yeah. beach, like Bondi Beach, so amazing. You said yet. That implies that you're really keen to maybe move there. So uh... No, I don't know. <laughs> Just say because yeah. you never know. <laughs> Well, sure, you don't, and that's what's really interesting about, about life and opportunity. You just don't know what uh, yeah. what will be around the corner. But I have to bring up Bondi. I mean, I lived on Manly Beach. And there's a bit of a competitive uh, discussion between Bondi and Manly. People from Bondi oh. think it's the best beach in the world. 
Manly is the best beach in the world. Is it? Having said that, I was literally on the beach with uh, our apartment. We just, you know, just stepped out oh and, and there it was. So fantastic. Missed that for sure. Definitely missed that. Oh my gosh. I'm totally a beach person. So whenever like you talk about beach, I'm like, I can't imagine like the sunset view and sunrise view and just like, just chill, you know? In the yeah. Beach. <laughs> and, and absolutely. I mean, born near water um, and everywhere I've lived had to be with water view. I mean, I, whether it's that tropical sunset and the coconuts and the palm trees or it's that rough angular, you know, wave crashing, you know, 10 degree weather with rain pounding. That's almost as interesting as seeing that kind of hot beach. In fact, maybe in, in my life, because, you know, I, I no longer fit into a, a small Speedo. That's a bad <laughs> joke. But, you know, I prefer the, the, the beach to, to explore and, and, and appreciate its beauty rather than, you know, going for a swim and, you know, hanging mm -hmm. on the beach and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so, um, well, you lived in many different places. I'm curious, what are some lessons that you learned after living in Sydney, Hong Kong, New York, and uh, different cities in Canada? Yeah, well, I, you know, there's a lot of lessons to learn every day, no matter what you're doing, uh, whether you're in your own town or your own different countries. And I think, you know, from, from my perspective, the takeaway was always, you know, you, you have to live like a local, you have to respect local cultures, you have to try your best to assimilate. Um, if you're trying to live like a, a Western person or a North American in, in any part of the, the world, you're, you're, you're going to fail. And now a lot of people do that and they are surrounded by expat friends and they, they go to the club and they, you know, have their <laughs> business class flights home for holiday and they kind of forget where they are. Um, so, but from my perspective, you know, it was always important to, to be part of what's happening in your local community and understand, you know, what's going on and, uh, and, and try to live, you know, like a local, including the food, the language, the customs, the culture. And, and you know, I spent a year in, in or so in Jakarta um, going back and forth from Hong Kong. I never thought, okay, wow, like I'll commute to a place like Jakarta. From Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it was a very fascinating place to live and the, the sort of Islamic culture, um, very moderate, of course, and, uh, you know, just the prayer time and, and uh, the food and what's going on. And it was a really interesting place to live. I, re I really enjoyed that for that year. And, uh, you know, you sort of quietly keep, keep, keep back and observe. And, and that's really what one thing being an expat or living in other parts of the world or countries has taught you is to be, is to be observant. And because, you know, you really need to be observant to kind of understand what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on the um, the expat community. Like, it's helpful, but at the same time, it's so important for us to really like mingle with, really like get involved with like, local community. I hundred percent agree sure. with you. Yeah, yeah. But like for you, I'm just curious. Like, wasn't it was it easy for you to just like hang out with or get to know about like Asian culture per se, like Hong Kong and Jakarta that you mentioned? Obviously, would be. A lot different from Canadian culture or you know someone from Scotland I guess sure. how how did you I don't know manage that well yeah for sure I mean that's that was always difficult always will be difficult and you know in Asian culture there is a certain facade you may not necessarily see what's behind that facade uh, so it's important you know to, to, to at least try your best um, and I was fortunate from the perspective in, in working in a dealing room and in in, uh, in Hong Kong at Scotia 
that I was the only Western guy there when we had a dealing room of mm-hmm. 20 people. And so, you know, everything was spoken in Cantonese. Everything was traded in, wow. in numbers in Cantonese. Uh, not that I am any special person in speaking or or understanding Cantonese, but the point being was that, you know, I had to basically be finding the best ways possible to uh, to, 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 to fit in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from, from that perspective, you know, we were entertained by by our uh, colleagues and going out and, and uh, going to certain restaurants and, and being entertained by our clients and vice versa and spent a lot of time in, in, in China. In fact, I had an opportunity to travel to most provinces, probably 40 something oh. provinces I had a chance to go to. And all that was dealing with um, very high level senior officials uh, within either the provincial governments or the or the um, uh, POEs or the SOEs, as they're called, you know, state-owned enterprise, and that involved, you know, going to you know certain ceremonies or being the, the head of the table and having to drink tea properly and having to gambe and, <laughs> oh, and wow. uh, these are all surfacial <laughs> things, but uh, you know, you you had to show a lot of respect because respect, as you know, in, in Asian culture is super important. Mm-hmm. So you had to basically ensure that you were. Um, I'm not going to say top of your game because that sounds like it's a competition, but more about, you know, respecting what's going on around you and uh, certainly not embarrassing yourself or your company, but taking mm-hmm. cues from, uh, you know, from, from the people that you travel with. You watch what they're doing and then basically learn from them. Exactly. Like being observant really is important, yeah. I guess, like to get to know the culture. So, yeah, For sure. I yeah. really like yeah. that you mentioned mentioned this. Um, so you you lived abroad for the past fifteen years. That's a mm. long time. Yeah. I wonder, did you always know that you would live abroad one day, like when you were younger? Yeah, well, that's an interesting point and question. And for, and look, those fifteen years seems like it was a long weekend. I mean, just like last yeah. week, that because uh, time goes by so quickly, and especially if you've got so much going on and interesting life and that kind of stuff, it's it, it does seem to go by in a flash, but. That's the way things are, but yeah, I mean, again, being being a person and a family that uh, emigrated to uh, to a different country and coming to Canada, you know, I saw what my parents did. I knew they took a big risk. My father, you know, he had job opportunities when we were in Scotland, and and he turned down a job to uh, to uh, to move to England, and he thought, yeah, maybe I'll go to you know flip the coin, Australia wow. or Canada, and um, you know, he chose Canada, and he came out here, found a job in insurance. And then, you know, a few months later, uh, we all came out to uh, to join him. And uh, I remember a time when uh, this famous story of when we were selling our things in Glasgow and uh, somebody had bought this big piano that we had in our house. And so at the time, my father was giving me a bath and this person arrives and to buy the piano. And of course, he had to help, you know, my father had helped him get the piano out to the car, at least to the van or whatever he had. And he mm-hmm. forgot about me in the tub. So like, move, <laughs> move this piano, celebrate with a glass of whiskey, probably then, oh my God, I forgot Alistair. And so then he's getting in the tub. <laughs> but back to your question. Um, yeah. So, you know, having that sort of, you know, start and, and uh, you know, from my parents' perspective coming here, I knew that I, I, I would do the same, but this mm-hmm. is a different world. I mean, in those days, and particularly from the UK, you, you left and you're gone, right? Now people kind of almost holiday migrate. They go to different mm. countries like me. And if you're fortunate, you've got uh, the, the support and the backing of a company. So you haven't really left your country. You're just living somewhere else for a little bit of time. 
And, you know, quite frankly, I always felt I would do that, you know, and I recall one time was that I was a geologist and I flew to Toronto and I was sitting on the plane and I was saying to myself, and I was a young guy and I said, you know what, I'm going to see myself doing this a lot, sitting on planes, going somewhere for, with respect to work. So it did, it did prove to be true. Wow. Wow. Fantastic story. Well, yeah, obviously I'm a huge advocate for living abroad and working abroad. So definitely uh, good to hear that. Well, Okay. Uh, let's talk about your career. So, um, what, so you were a geologist before, you know, you switched to, um, you know, working in banking and uh, this industry. Why, why did you study geology at the first place? I'm curious. You were know, you the first person that I know who studied geology and who used to be a geologist. <laughs> Yeah, well, that that's right. Sometimes I think, you know, uh, geologists are like black and white TV salesmen. Like, you know, there's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough profession, particularly, you know, in terms of finding, finding work throughout a career. But, you know, having said that, you know, geology is a fantastic profession. It's, it's one that's very much in, in, uh, in, uh, you know, in quotation marks vogue now because, you know, metal prices are high. There's been a lack of exploration money put into the industry for many, many years. So, so producers themselves are are really looking to find um, either uh, M&A acquisitions or new discoveries, et cetera. And that all comes from 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 being, you know, from geology and, and and geologists. And it's a fantastic education because you learn all about the sciences: chemistry, physics, math, and understanding of 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 uh, the, how the planet works, and of course biology. You know, through uh, paleontology, et cetera. Plus you need to know all everything else with respect to the um, uh, uh, faculties in, in psychology and, and, uh, and business and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, back to the point, how did I get involved? My next door neighbor was a geologist. So that's really how it <laughs> happened. I mean, he, he had a family or they were a family of four boys and I was very close to them. I was their fifth son. And mm. uh, so basically my nickname was Marvin, Marvin, the fifth son. So mm -hmm. he got me started. I mean, as a teenager, I worked with uh, with the brothers. You know, we'd go out do boot and hammer prospecting, and and uh, you know his business in Nova Scotia was 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 quite uh, uh, quite busy. And you know, we got opportunity to to do things that you know young and and uh, and learning geologists do by soil sampling and running lines and doing you know some certain geophysics, et cetera. So that's got me kind of interested. I was just you know, lucky to get summer jobs as a, as a teenager. And then, you know, from that perspective, it was a natural to go into university as a geologist mm. because I, or at least study geology, I should say, because I had the background and I had experience and each summer I had another job. So by the time I finished geology, I was, I'm going to use the words in demand because I had uh, you know, a fair bit of experience in a time when, when there wasn't many geologists and at a time when, when there was a bit of a depressed uh, uh, market. Remember those days where the crazy interest rates of 18% mm -hmm. and deep, dark recessions and that sort of thing. So it was, it was very, very fortuitous that I was able to take that career path. Wow. Yes. I guess like you, you really had a passion for geology, but at the same time you were, there was a demand as well. And so like you were, it was the career path was quite natural for you, I guess. Yeah, and and as far as career paths being natural, kind of going back to that sitting on the plane and knew I'd go somewhere. I knew that basically <laughs> that, you know, from a geology perspective, that it was interesting to me. I I, I loved the the, uh, the profession and that career, but I knew that I was more business minded, and and that's mm -hmm. why you know I, I also took a business degree and 
And, uh, you know, one day I had a knock on the door from the Canadian Mint and they wanted somebody to look after their mining business um, uh, for the gold refinery. And would I be interested? And yes, yeah, sure. So I basically had a chance to to work with them for, for about seven, seven and a half years and living in Ottawa and uh, getting to travel all over the Western Hemisphere, dealing with, uh, with mining companies, gold producers, and, and also with, uh, with central banks. I mean, I had great, uh, again, opportunity to visit every capital in South America to deal with uh, the central banks there. And look, as a young guy, I mean, I dealt with the governors and the vice governors of the, wow. of these banks. So it was very, um, very, very good, uh, very good role. I really, really enjoyed it. And Ottawa is a great place to live for sure. My son, <laughs> our son was born in, born in Ottawa. So uh, we had a lot of memories about Ottawa. So, so that's how you transitioned from being a geologist to like working in more of a business setting. Like that's how you yeah. make a transition. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How was and the transition? Was... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you, no, I interrupt you. So please. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just gonna just gonna ask, like, how was the transition for you? I guess like being a geologist to a business type of like, yeah, role. Yeah, well, I think everything is is about mindset, and and uh, it was interesting because you know one day I'm in a you know hard hat coveralls and a next day I'm in sort of suit and tie and mm-hmm. in an interview with for a federal government job kind of thing. So it was like, wow, this is quite a Quite a reversal of fortunes kind of thing so so yeah I, I think you know basically it is what you want right so you you basically can make any transition provide you're prepared for provided that you want to do it and i did have both of those you know those initiatives i you know was educated for it and i basically wanted to do it so the interview went well and uh, and you know from there basically um never looked back on geology always had that relationship with the uh, the mining companies at that mint and then you know, another sort of opportunity came up um, after that period of time at the Mint, with Scotia, where they basically were looking for someone to to help them on their metals trading desk and dealing with the uh, sort of gold producers and consumers in Toronto. And so that's when I uh, took that role and job in say mid mid nineties and uh, and and had five years in in Toronto and worked. Uh, downtown i can sort of look out my window and see my old office building now that i'm living in downtown <laughs> toronto so that's kind of neat yeah well yeah now you're talking about scotia well i'm curious because you were working for scotia's for 12 years that's a long time in different mm-hmm. different countries i believe yeah can you share with us some episode or any stories that you had while working for scotia in different countries yeah, well, look, again, fortunate. Um, you know, Scotia looked after me well. I traveled uh, you know, my first, uh, after spending some time in Toronto, a real pivotal uh, situation came up in New York, and that's why I spent uh, spent time in New York. We we, we acquired a you know, centuries-old uh, um, gold trader uh, called Mokata, and uh, their main operations were in New York. So I spent, you know, fair bit of time basically concluding that deal and going through a lot of the business practice that they had and integrating into, a, into into the Canadian business and so that was that was a really fun fun job so um for my my I guess a reward for that work they um they sent me to uh to Australia to uh to manage wow. this business at Commonwealth Bank so lots of fun stuff for sure Scotia was was generous I mean it was a great place to work um, had lots of opportunity to, to see very exciting things including you know putting that deal together with Makata 
Um, and of course, in Toronto, we were doing a lot of work with the producers. Those are the heydays where producers were selling a lot of gold and doing a lot of very creative hedging strategies to enhance the gold price. Um, and, you know, I think that one of the more interesting things that we had opportunity to do was in, in Hong Kong, which is a very different part of the business because the West was dealing with the producers and the East was dealing with the consumers. So, you know, from my desk perspective, and I, I was in Beijing uh, a lot, mainly because we were the first bank to establish gold trading in China, the very first. Wow. And so, you know, we dealt with BOC, ICBC, ACB, and, and CCB, who are the main, what we refer to as the big four in China. So we had a very uh, privileged position. Uh, we were the first to start gold trading. We helped with that, setting up the Shanghai Gold Exchange. Um, so there's a lot of fun stuff that was going on during those days. And, uh, you know, I, I was right in the middle of it and, uh, and, and very much enjoyed it. So a lot of, a lot of good stuff and uh, a lot of good people that I worked with. Wow. You had a fantastic career. I mean, you have still, but like, I mean, like those 12 years, yeah. like Scotia Bank, like in different countries, that's fantastic experience. Yeah. Well, like, you know, half of the, uh, the things that you mentioned, like, uh, I don't really know <laughs> Much. so i'm just nodding but like it sounds really interesting like uh yeah a lot of important deals that you did so uh yeah very fascinating yeah no for sure i mean i think you know in, in business you want to be involved in the sort of the top edge of what's happening in your in your career your profession and and also the business that you're dealing with so that uh you know certainly the work that we did uh definitely offered that it was fun mm -hmm. so I guess like Sydney is your the the first country you you moved abroad. Is that yeah, right? well, yeah. I mean, the, that as I mentioned that period of time in New York before, but as a family, yes, mm -hmm. that was really where we uh, we we moved to first, and that was uh, yeah, that, that was that was the first country. Mm -hmm. Were there any sort of like challenges that you faced? I mean, like obviously working abroad, living abroad, those are really amazing things, obviously, but mm -hmm. like especially when you move to a new country with a family, um, yeah. you know, still is the kind of like Western, Australia is still a Western country, but like still the culture must be different and the time zone is like total opposite <laughs> as well. Yeah. yeah like how, what were there any challenges for you? Well, yeah, I think any, look, if you moved uh, to Barry, there's always going to be a challenge, you know, for Toronto. But, you know, the, the point being is that, yeah, it's on the other side of the world. You've got the time zone challenge. Um, so you've got basically you're reporting to Toronto. And so you've got to be kind of, you know, working in the very late night because, of course, nobody in Toronto is going to work in their late night. You've got to work in their morning. So that mm -hmm. that's was a challenge. Um, we came into a business as experts. Um, and so we were in Australian bank, basically showing them how to do this business as a, you know, part of the, um, the secondment and the partnership that we had. Um, so that can be challenged because then you've got to tell people that, yes, here's how you do it. No, you should do it this way. So, um, you know, maybe people don't like that type of direction. So there's always that sort of professional challenge and, and, uh, myself and my partner, I looked after precious and my partner looked after base metals. So we were constantly having to, to basically show or tell or get, you know, things done that, the way we saw it, because that's the whole reason that we were there. You know, sometimes there'd be some disagreements over that, but at the end of the day, that was all part of, all part of the business. And, and, uh, but, you know, from a challenge point of view, 
yeah, you can get over, you can handle any business challenge. I mean, that's just what, what life sort of brings with you in terms of your job, right? You just manage your job. If you're good at it, you're good at it. If you're not, you're not <laughs> going to be there much longer. Yeah. But the personal side, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of, of, of things to, to consider being in a different country and being so far away from family and so far away from friends, you know, having my wife and I both lost our, our fathers while we were, while we were away. And, uh, we, you know, my, my wife's father passed away within two weeks of our arrival in Australia, two weeks. And so we had to just jump back on a plane and, yeah. and uh, deal with that. So that's, yeah, there's, there's always these things that, that happen when you're, when you're very far away that are very difficult to, to deal with for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's really tough. I mean, yeah. I mean, especially I think like family wise, that's the, that's the, the challenge, right? Like, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I also have like best friends. Like when I, you know, when I'm in Canada, I have my best. I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm so afraid of losing my friend, friendship, I would say. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, yeah. like, I'm constantly worried about my family. What are they doing? And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So, like, I resonate with, with what you're saying. Well, I mean, family will always be there and family will always support you. Um, and, and friends, particularly your best friends, will. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's easier to drift from your friends than it is to your family. And so mm-hmm. there's always that management of friends. And uh, so that's, you know, you, you, you want to, I've always felt that, you know, you, if you want to maintain that friendship, you have to kind of work at it a little bit. Um, family, for whatever reasons, is going to come naturally. So whether you like that or you don't, you've got your family you have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like family is going to be there always for yeah. you. And uh, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Like even best friends, you know, yeah. we've been friends like for, 20 years or whatever then like they, yeah. they know that like they're going to be there for 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 us but right other like friends or acquaintances if i don't make any efforts just like <laughs> they're not in my life anymore that's drift. really sad yeah yeah and and you know what and, and maybe in some ways you know your social circle or your acquaintances you know what there's uh wherever you are you know you'll always find a strong social circle um, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's something to, uh, to work, uh, to work for too. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, like when we move to a new country or new places, you know, we get to hang out, we get to know new people, new, interesting people, like many people. So that's a, that's a good, uh, part of, you know, living abroad, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You get to meet so many different people and that was, the one thing um, that we really enjoyed, um, well, f- in, in Sydney, it's funny, we, we ended up meeting with a lot of Australian people who em- emigrated to Australia, and they became very close friends. We, of course, became friends with with uh, a lot of Australians also. But in, but in Hong Kong, it's just, it's so easy to make friends. I mean, everybody's in the same situation. Everybody's arrived. Everybody's looking for a friend. Mm. Not, and that sounds a bit uh, kind of weird, but no, everybody is is receptive to, to, yeah. to meeting with people is what I meant to say. So as a result, you know, you meet Hong Kong is a is a collection point. It wouldn't necessarily say a melting pot, but it's a collection point for people to come into the city and work. Some people stay for two years and they're gone. Some people stay for 20 years uh, or some people don't go. But you know, the point is you meet with those people and they go back to their home countries, uh, which could be your Canada, could be other parts of the world. And they're your friends no matter what. And no matter where they are, they mm. still remain your friends. So you've got friends that are populated around the world, which I think is kind of neat because you can always go anywhere and meet an old friend from Hong Kong and, uh, and, and enjoy seeing them again. And that's something I'm looking forward to when this 
crazy sort of you know travel <laughs> yeah. restrictions and stuff gets uh, gets a little bit a little bit easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, do you? Well, you already shared with us a lot of great things, great memories that you had while living abroad. But like, do you have any sort of like best memories that you like to share with us, like that you had while while living abroad? Well, yeah, I think it, there isn't one sort of thing that stands out. It's just that it was an overall positive experience, you know, using Hong Kong as an example, just that sort of real mix of the challenge from the professional perspective and the the personal point of view of seeing so many different things. And, and Hong Kong was a was a springboard to everywhere else in Asia. So as a mm-hmm. family, we would go to, you know, Bali for uh you know, for Easter break and next holiday, we'd go to Tokyo or we'd go to wow. Thailand and Bangkok or the islands or so many different places. Um, and, you know, we, we had that opportunity, A, because, you know, we were in Hong Kong, which provides you opportunity to go to lots of different places. Um, but also, you know, it's, uh, it's just something that um, is just so... When you live in a small island like Hong Kong, there's a bit of a boiling boiling pressure point that everybody seems to need to get away from and so it's just so natural to go to 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 leave and go to these places and uh, so we had great great opportunity experiences to do that and the family you know loved lots of places and learned so much from from uh, from different cultures um, and of course the memory of just living in australia and living on the beach and you know just just you know big apartment uh, with lots yeah. of balconies facing the water with Laura Keats landing in the evening. And, you know, you sit up there with a drink and uh, cool breeze and sunset over the water. I mean, pff, it's pretty hard not to like that. I know. Actually, pretty sure. So, but yeah, I mean, having the boat, I think the boat was, uh, was always very, very pleasurable. And that's um, something I don't think I'll ever have a chance to do again is you know, live somewhere where you can just get a boat back and forth to work. That's fantastic. I feel like you lived everyone's holiday for <laughs> for how many years especially when you talk about sydney um yeah. you know having you know living in a in a place with balcony you know overlooking a beach yeah. and then like just having like a wine or beer in the evening and just chill oh my gosh <laughs> yeah it's like you know everyone's what? holiday <laughs> and you know sydney was very much like that holiday city that was the impression i got and i spent a lot of time in melbourne and melbourne was like toronto and it was very sort of hustle bustle mm. what's going on um but uh sydney was yeah it was pretty chill it was a bit of a, it was like a perpetual holiday and uh i you know i'm, I'm kind of more business minded than mm. constantly being on holiday but the fact that you basically had that business mind you're able to work and having all this sort of you know great um sort of outdoor uh, opportunity around you was, was yeah. as they would say, pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah too right. I bet. <laughs> Do you, well, now you're you're back in Canada after living abroad, working abroad mm-hmm. for the past 15 years. Yeah. Do you miss living abroad time to time? Or like, do you have any countries on your wish list? <laughs> to, to move to, to live in or to uh, visit or... Visit, I guess, like we we have many countries. Well, you've already yeah. traveled to so many countries, but like right. I would, I don't know, wish list, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, any any countries that, that you have in mind? Well, I mean, be, certainly, you know, being back in Canada and, and do I miss the, you know, the, that travel life? Um, 
the kind of the answer is kind of yes and no. It's it's easy to sit back and pine for all the good things that you had with respect to that. But you know, in, in previous questions about the tougher things, there's you know, that's it, there's always the good and the bad. Um, so when you want and think about all the good stuff, you kind of forget about the bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of a bad thing isn't necessarily the right word, but part of the reason for for leaving Hong Kong and coming back to Canada was we've kind of done our time. We've you know gone through. Um, a lot of the things that we enjoyed now it was starting to turn into like, okay, this is a grind, you know, now it's time to, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things that were happening in Hong Kong and, you know, some of the political unrest and the fact that you're miles away from things and, and, you know, progression in terms of career and jobs, you aren't necessarily doing the same thing. So you, you kind of have a wake up call and say, am I here for the right reasons? Mm-hmm. And if you're not there for the right reasons, it's time to sort of pack up. Yeah. And that was a decision that we made. And it was an easy decision to come back to Toronto because, you know, Canada is a great country. That's, you know, so easy to make that decision. One different thing between Canadians and Australians versus the the Brits, as I call them from the UK, is that when people leave the UK, they're gone. That's it. See you later. I'm, you know, they may move to Australia. They move move to Canada. There's very few Canadians and very few Australians who say I'm moving to, and then they're gone. They always, yeah. Like the pigeon, you know, on the on the on the statue, take off, fly around, and come back and come to the same statue. So, I think that's a big difference between, for example, we Australians, we Canadians, and Australians versus those uh, in, in other countries. Our, our countries and our our lives, um, when use the words, are are pretty good in, mm-hmm. in where we've come from. So it's easy to come back. Now. The other thing too is if your family focus and your 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 brothers and your sisters and your mothers and fathers and all that kind of stuff are in country, you're you don't really want to spend a whole lot of time away from them. Um, mm. you know, being with your family, you know that, right? So it's it's difficult to uh, to just pack up and say see you later. My father different, you know. He said, look, I've had enough of your family. I'm going to go find a different life. <laughs> I'll see you once in a while. Make a phone call. Might cost twenty bucks for a minute, but doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, from my perspective, it was pretty, pretty easy. Not my perspective. From a family's perspective, easy choice. Son was already in university in Canada. Daughter had just finished high school. She went from grade one to grade 12. My son went from grade four to grade 12 in Hong Kong. So, you know, she's finished high school. Now she's wanting to come back to Canada, go to school here. Of course, she was, goes to university in Vancouver on the other side of the you know, country. So then it was her mm. choice. So, <laughs> so, yeah, it was just time. I mean, uh, it was just time to uh, you know, come back and... Uh, do what we wanted to do here a little, little more get away from the hustle bustle of hong kong i mean things are so fast paced in hong kong that you know it's time to just pull back and chill out a little bit and and you know we have a place in nova scotia that we spend well during pandemic of course we spent sort of half our time it's a great place we're on the ocean 15 acres big house kind of stuff so that's you know what one of the motivations to come back to this part of the world is because we have access to that you know mm-hmm. great property of ours that we you know, we're, we're only seeing, you know, two, three times a year when we were away. Now, ironically, we built it while we were away because we wanted, you know, something to come back to. But, oh. uh, yes. Instead of, you know, coming home and staying at your parents, your in-laws and two screaming yeah. kids and, you know, a suitcase full of stuff. And so that was that was uh, the reason behind it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like for sure, like Canada is a great place. A lot. Of, we have a lot yeah. of the immigrants live, you know, in Canada. Yeah. So like people move yeah. to Canada, right? So Canada is a great place for sure. And I've never been to Nova Scotia yet, and uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, well, you have amazing, a standing, 
standing offer to to come visit uh, yeah um, the province not that i'm the premier of the province but we have a standing offer to come visit <laughs> at our place but i mean yeah not not to sell the province while we're here on this little chat but it's it, it's a great quality of life you know blue mm-hmm. sky clean water green yeah. grass uh fantastic seafood um sparsely populated like a million people in nova scotia so pretty laid back style good quality of life Maybe a bit of a challenge to have a full-on, you know, uh, career, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things are changing. Jobs are, are happening. A lot of people just bought houses in uh, in Nova Scotia, sight unseen during the pandemic. So they've they've had a burgeoning uh, increase of, of yeah. immigration from other parts of Canada into mm-hmm. Nova Scotia. So lots going on there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard as well. And I heard like it's really a beautiful place as well. Like because you have ocean, right? So yeah, it's, right it's on, amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Best lobster in the world, best scallops in the world, best whitefish in the world. So I'm a seafood <laughs> fan. And I just, yeah, I just we, we have boats that are right off, you know, I can see them. They're just, you know, a kilometer away from my from my property and they just butt butt by off to the wharf and just jump in a car, you know, four kilometers away and go buy some lobster right off the boat and bring oh it back. Oh my gosh. Wow. Pretty awesome. (laughs) Amazing life. (laughs) Okay. So I've got just a couple more questions here. Um, uh, um, The career perspective, um, do you think, well, how do you think your international work experience shaped who you are today? Well, obviously you worked in so many different countries and I guess like it kind of like influenced you professionally and also personal level as well. How how do you think? Yeah, well, I mean that's a that's an interesting question. Um, it's a tough question because it makes me have to think inwardly about myself. Um, but I, I think it's it's one that's taught me to be better listener, um, be more appreciative of of different things and certainly surroundings. Learn to be a bit more observant, be more tolerant, um, and you know I think that. You know, maybe my knowledge base is better from living. Maybe if, a, you know, the category comes up in Jeopardy and Geography, I'm going to do well. But, you know, I think that that opportunity to, to be shaped, you know, kind of who I am, I think is part of the puzzle. I think I am who I am because of, you know, my genetics, my parents, what they've taught me, my schooling, all that kind of stuff. So having the sort of international career in life has kind of rounded me out in some ways, but I don't think it's really shaped me to, to, to be who I am. And, and friends and family who knew me 25 years ago would say, yeah, you're the same person, maybe a bit more, I don't know, something aggressive <laughs> or what. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely been a positive experience and would, would recommend it to anyone. And um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there are some consequences to it. You know, you spend time away, you spend time away from your family and, and you lose, may lose some friends and, or you may come back and you have to, you find out you have to start your driving test yeah. again as a beginner <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, but yeah. overall positive. Mm-hmm. Definitely a positive experience. And I, yeah, I get it. Like we don't, I guess like same for me as well. We don't really change that much, even though like, you know, we leave abroad like for for a longer period of time because we have identity right so we have it with us (laughs) so it's not really change sure and even when you do live abroad you 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 kind of still gravitate to the things that you know you like and Mm -hmm. you want to learn from um so i don't think there's a like i say a completely different shaping of you as a person but it 
it kind of rounds you out who you are and you learn from it and you get, a, mm-hmm. you get an opportunity to make a lot of mistakes when you're, when you're traveling and living, living outside. So, you know, mistakes help you learn stuff as well. So for mm-hmm. sure. I guess like for me, like after living abroad, like I noticed that I get to learn a lot more about myself like mm-hmm. have more self-awareness because like have a lot of situations maybe like some challenges that i had to go through yeah. and uh, in the midst of it i realized oh okay i'm that kind of person oh i'm this type of person i can actually do this etc right so like a lot of self-awareness is something that i kind of learned from <laughs> yeah and and i would certainly agree with that because when you parachute yourself into somewhere new you've got to learn mm-hmm. everything even even simple stuff like you know you've got to get all your stuff organized yeah. in a different country in a different language like you got to get your power hooked up you've got to get you know your tv your phone yeah your driver's license all that kind of stuff and uh, you know that that's a can be a daunting process or setting yourself up with a tax account or doing all those things you know yeah. becoming a landlord or being a landlord all that kind of stuff is you know just uh, uh it's it's so so different. So you're always, you know, you're always, you know, you're always learning. So absolutely. Okay, Alistair, I have one last question. So I I ask this question to every guest. So, what is your favorite book that you like to recommend to our listeners? Yeah, and you know what, I I, I thought about this for a little while. I think I uh, get a bit of a heads up and a nod that basically about uh, you know question around uh, and books and novels and this and that. And I I'm I'm a voracious reader of everything that's news and i'm spending so much time during the day figuring out markets and reading about what's going on from an economy perspective sometimes i haven't been able and mm-hmm. recently haven't been able to uh, to switch off and uh, find that uh, sort of book and novel that basically allows me to just drift off that you know i know reading can provide and you know i read a lot as a kid and read a lot as a as an adult as well and, and you know a lot of science fiction stuff read everything that uh, that Arthur Clarke ever wrote. And uh, so it's it's difficult for me to say, okay, what's my favorite book? And if it is science fiction, you know, this is going to be so cheesy. But uh, The Martian was one of, the, one of the more interesting kind of light books and uh, fun book I've read. Uh, and that was not that long ago. So. Oh, thank you. Well, like I haven't read science fictions, but uh, a lot of my friends actually are fan of science fiction. So yeah. I may give it a go. I just n- never really tried. I don't know why. <laughs> and if you believe the Academy Awards, what basically was up for an award, what those few years ago was categorized in the comedy section. Oh, wow. So really? You can look at this book as a comedy, but it's uh it's it's interesting because it, it it didn't have a very heavily weight by any means in science fiction it was more about this particular person's struggle being alone on a different world oh. and having to uh deal with everything that uh that was put in front of him and, and survive through it all so that's in many ways sometimes my own sort of character as well <laughs> fighting well, to survive <laughs> yeah i want to give it a go i love comedy so uh, yeah i want to give yeah. it a go yeah good read yeah, uh, that's the first day. Is there anything that you want to say before we wrap up? No, I just, Lucy, thanks. I know I've, I've followed you a little bit with respect to your work and, and, and how you have a great rapport with, with whom you speak with. And uh, it's just been great to, to sort of comfortably and very relaxed have a chat. You know, sometimes uh, it's challenging to, to speak about yourself and maybe that's just my character being humble. I don't know, but uh, you know, I, I just thank you for for allowing me to be able to bring out some things that uh, 
I may not have had a chance to talk about in a long time. So thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you, Alistair. And you've been an amazing guest. Thank you. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you for joining us this week. Hope you learned something new from this episode. And now you are motivated and fired up to make your dream come true. Make sure to share with others who might need to listen to this podcast because this is something they needed to listen to to be inspired. We never know. Lastly, be sure to subscribe and follow Self Made Express with Lucy John on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I will talk to you very soon. Thanks for being here.